Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Good morning. I've never looked at the sun on the screen and thought, what a beautiful thing. That's as far as we're going. Well, I don't know what you're doing for the next half an hour, but I'm sunbathing. I am on a beach in the Bahamas, and it is nice. Like any good beach holiday, it's always good to have a book with you. I found this one. And it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Wonderful thing about sunbathing is you get to just switch off. You, you leave all your worries, you leave all your cares, leave all the pressures behind. You just uh, go into a completely different place mentally, don't you? You're able to just switch off your phone, switch off your iPad, and just lie on the beach. And the brilliant thing about sunbathing is but actually by doing nothing... The sun does all the work for you. You can just lie there and the rays of the sun soak into your skin and they perform some kind of transforming miracle that turns pasty white men like me into glorious golden Adonises. (laughs) Okay, you're clearly not taking this seriously, so I'll get up. I want to focus on verse 4. Uh, from what we just read in John chapter 1. Because this really struck me this last week. Uh, In verse 4 it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And I've been reflecting a lot on what it means for God to be this light, and what what we understand light to be, and and just all the things, all the connotations that you can associate with light. Um, It's obviously a good thing we've we've spawned a whole ministry called Light off the back of the great work that the message has done. Um, We believe in it. Jesus says himself, he's the light of the world. Um, And we have all these phrases just kind of in our common uh, use of of our language, where we use things like, uh, we need to stay in the light, Uh, we need to stay focused on the light, look into the light, and we, we focus on the light at the end of the tunnel. All these phrases, which are all kind of about conjuring up these images of the fact that light is good and is something to focus on and strive towards. And I wonder where this obsession from light comes from. Well, clearly a lot of it comes from the way that God portrays himself. But um, let's just park that thought for a minute, because uh, this obsession with light, for us, is kind of like a moth being drawn to a bulb, in that, in all circumstances, we're, just, we're drawn to something, even when we don't know what it is, even, though, even when we don't know what we're doing. We're drawn to this light. And uh, I mean, I'm a guy, and I love fire. That seems to be standard, right? If you're a guy, you just have to innate ability to, to be drawn to fire, even at your own peril sometimes. Um, 
And, uh, and I think I just love that when you see a bonfire, particularly when you're out in the, kind of, in the wilderness, out in the woods somewhere, and you have a fire going in the middle of the night, it's just so glorious to stare into those flames and get lost in the flickering flames of that bonfire. Not because of the heat or the warmth, but because of the ever-flowing, overlapping, poetic dancing the flame creates. This myriad spectacle of light that transfixes and mesmerizes us and it inspires us to think of things that are greater than ourselves. So this power that the light has when it's, when it's the sun, when it's the stars that we lay and stare at in the night, whether it's a bonfire, this, this power that light has that, that causes something in us deep down that yearns to connect, to belong, to want to be part of something more than ourselves. This light is is more than just a force of nature. It's, it's more than uh, just, just an idea because even if we just talk practically and we think about the sun, the light is the sustainer and giver of all life. Without the sun, the earth would perish. We need the light. And, and we know plenty of people oppose the light. Plenty of people uh, do not like the light. And, but actually, they're very definition and their existence is still defined by the fact that the light exists because it creates boundaries it affects their presence it it gives them something to oppose without the light they wouldn't have anything to oppose or to resist or to flee from and so their their meaning and their purpose and what they're striving for would be pointless if anyone was to ever be able to totally destroy the light, by very definition, they would end up destroying themselves because the whole source of life is cut out when the light is cut out. And so they would end up being nothing without it. And I think for all of us, we strive for this light, whether it's purposefully, whether it's haphazardly, whether it's the coldest of heart or the most antagonistic towards God. But we all strive for this something. Like, like a magnet, there's something that, that pulls us towards light in a way that we can't always explain or understand. It kind of tugs at our hearts, doesn't it? It tugs at our sensibilities. It wars with our selfish desires in us. And it points our moral compass towards the truth whether we choose to listen to that or not and when we think about light for us obviously it conjures up all sorts of images about who God is and who Jesus said he was because he was the light of the world and in this verse in John he says that in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind that actually this this desire this inbuilt yearning this pull this tug that we find in our hearts is put there because God put it in there because he is the light and we are drawn to him the light we are drawn to him the sustainer and the giver of life and we the privileged among us have realized that that's God it's not something else it's not power it's not money it's not any other religion it's Jesus Christ himself and we are privileged to have understood that the the following verse from this says uh in verse 5, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Or in some translations, the darkness has not understood it. And those people who haven't overcome the light because they can't overcome God. And those people who haven't understood God, they're still pulled towards something greater than themselves. 
and it causes a wrestling in their hearts, sometimes a dissatisfaction in their lives, that we have the answer to unlocking that. We have the answer to be able to point them in the right direction, to say this is what you were made for, this is what you are yearning for, this light is God, and in him is life. So God is our moral compass. How do we turn to him? Because actually when we think about God, God is, is way too big and way too vast for us to comprehend. He, he is in all things, in all places, at all times. And if that is true, well, which way do you turn? God's everywhere. How do I know which way to turn? It, the, the light that he emits is kind of comparable in our limited understanding to an atomic explosion or to a bright burning star. Its power is all-consuming. Its effects are everlasting. Its brilliance is overwhelming. How then do we, mere mortals, us simple humans, find a way to connect with that vastness of God? It's this very dilemma that led God to concentrate the light, to give it focus and to give it form. And and this is what John is trying to get at at the start of this gospel, when he's unpacking this idea that God is light and then in him is all life and God created Jesus. Oh, no, he didn't create Jesus. They are one and the same. But you know what I'm saying. God sent Jesus to us. Because in Jesus, we have that focus. We have that form. He's no less brilliant, but he's an insightful point of reference, like the needle of a compass that guides us. And and in Jesus, we have this ultimate lens that allows us to focus this brilliant light that we're trying to focus on. I remember uh, a number of us went outside. There was a solar eclipse, lunar eclipse. There was some sort of eclipse uh, a few weeks ago, and we all went outside, and we wanted to have a look at it, and, and it was too cloudy to be able to see it on that particular day. But if it had happened, and we all know the dangers, and we're all told, don't look directly into the light, because if you do that, it will blind you. The, 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 the power of staring directly into the sun is so overwhelming that it will knock you senseless. And so we all know, although we don't always listen, that you're supposed to get one of those little viewfinders, or kind of create a little pinprick in a piece of paper or some kind of clever device, which allows you to kind of focus that light and that image and that picture through this lens that shows us what is going on in the heavenlies. And that's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is for us. No less brilliant, no less overwhelming and overpowering and powerful, but a concentrated lens for which we have access to look at so that we can fully comprehend who this God is, who is the light of the world. And what this makes me think is uh, maybe actually we need to spend less time striving. I think worship this morning was fantastic and where Andy led us in prayer was, was spot on with the sort of things that I was, I've been thinking about as well. Because I feel like we need to spend less time striving and more time just soaking in his presence. Maybe we should try not to define the Christian walk as something that that can be tangibly measured by milestones, kind of like markers in the faith, as if if each one was indicating how far we'd come along in the holiness scale, as if anything we could do could make ourselves any more holy. 
And I know that I find I get myself caught in that trap sometimes where I'm striving. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do things. We shouldn't pursue God. We shouldn't, we should be spending time with God and, and soaking in his word. We should be, you know, wanting to be closer to God and get that proximity to God where it can, we can feel the effects of his radiance. We want that. But we shouldn't be so focused on that and kind of marking it in such a way that says, I am a better Christian because I've done this, or I've spent this much time. Or Andre spoke really well yesterday about not babbling and, and other things out of Matthew 6. It's really interesting uh, how, how he shared some thoughts there in terms of how we spend time with God in prayer. And I think um, when we look at someone like Moses, uh, all we really know about what Moses did is that he went up a mountain and then he prayed. We don't know what happened up there. Uh, I don't believe that he was like sweating bullets kind of trying to get God's favor. He just went up to the mountain where God's presence was and he hung out with God. And the thing about Moses is that when he came back down the mountain, we know the story, uh, his face shone. It wasn't anything he said, it wasn't anything he did, it was before he even opened his mouth. But people could recognize that he'd been in the presence of the Holy One of Israel. Because the radiance on his skin shone out. And people were able to recognize when Moses had been spending time with the Father. And I wonder how much of that could be true for us. When you walk into a room, when you walk into a situation, when you walk into a youth club or a school, can people recognize that we have spent that quality time with God? Even before we speak, even before we deliver our eloquent speeches or sing our songs or do our pictures, even before we've opened our mouths, they can just look at you and go, ah, something different. And that something different should be that we have a Holy Spirit tan, (laughs) a glow, because we've basked in his glory. And I think there's something to be said about this basking in his glory. Uh, Tuesday morning, we'll have prayers later on from 12 till 3. And I love the fact that they've introduced 12 till 12.30. We have waiting on God time. Now, I'll hold my hand up and say I've never actually been to that part of of the prayer time. I'm going to do that today. That's one of the things I feel like having kind of thought through this stuff and being challenged on this is, yeah, I just need to spend more time not striving and just, just sitting and soaking in God's presence. And that is like, wow, it's a ready-made opportunity, isn't it? So I invite you all to join me. Uh, come and be there from 12 to 12.30. But make that time to just soak in his presence. I think if we spent less time striving and more time just basking in his glory, soaking in his radiance, bathing in God's holiness through the lens of Jesus Christ and allowing his life and his, and his example and his love that he showed to be the moral compass that guides us. If we allow God to just affect us like the rays of the sun do when you lie on the beach, then maybe we will all be more transformed and our faces would shine all the more brighter for Jesus. And I'll finish by saying this. Our job, then, is not to be idle. Please don't hear that. I'm not saying don't you know, stop doing the other stuff that you're doing. We want to keep striving after God in all sorts of ways in our personal walk with God. I'm not saying to be idle. What I'm saying is to be more Christ-like in our own lives. Maybe we need to stop and just bathe more 
instead of running around wearing ourselves out and pursuing man-made goals of achievement and measurable success. God doesn't measure the success the same way that we think we should. God is interested in proximity. God is interested in our presence and his presence being in the same place at the same time. I know that if I want to get a good tan on this skin, that staying in Manchester is not going to do the trick. So thank the Lord. We have booked our holiday. We are going, myself and my wife, we are going to Menorca uh, at the end of July. We're going to have a nice time in the sun because I want to feel the rays of the sun on my skin and I want to get a nice little brown tan going on. But I need, to, I need to have made those decisions. I need to have made those choices. I've put my money uh, forward. I've, uh, I haven't actually booked the time off work yet. <laughs> but we will do that. But I've had to make choices and I've had to line things up in my life that will enable me to be in the right place to feel the effects of the sun. You get what I'm saying? So if we want to uh, allow the radiance of God to shine through us, well, we need to make choices that will allow that to happen. And that may mean changing the way that you do certain things. It may mean changing your habits, your time, the way you prioritize uh, certain things in your life. It may mean putting money up so that you can do something to enable that to happen differently. But we can't just assume that God will just fill us and we'll all float around with his Holy Spirit glow. We need to be like Moses, who takes that time to go up the mountain and spend time in his presence. And I believe that as we do that, and as we bathe in the glory of the sun, we will be transformed to ever-increasing glory. Amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams.